Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King, and you're listening to the photography podcast dedicated to getting you out there on an adventure of your own. I know that all of you have full-time jobs, full-time families, but you bought that camera for a reason. So pack your gear, grab your camera, get out there, get a flat tire. It's time for a Photog Adventure of your own. It's episode 136, and today we are going to tackle the idea of the Mega Rally. I mean, guys, with photography and more, especially with this astrophotography nut stuff that we do all the time, the rally is necessary. And to paint the picture of what the rally is, we're going to be joined today by someone who not only has done the rally many times, but has been given the nickname Mega Rally for all of the times that she goes out nonstop, never sleeping, constantly driving. Mary Beth Kaczynski. Hey, Mary Beth. Hey, how's it going? And before I go too far into introducing Mary Beth, I got to introduce my buddy adventure co-host, Kirk Kais. Thanks, Aaron. You're welcome, Kirk. So Kirk is joining me today. He's the buddy guy with me to talk about the stories that Mary Beth is going to share. Now, the rally, the crazy rally. In short, let me just say, guys, that if you go out and to do Milky Way photography, you're going to find yourself going to location, feeling kind of tired, but then you see the Milky Way and you get energized and jazzed and you're so stoked. You're getting through the whole night. All of a sudden, it's three or four in the morning. Kirk and Mary Beth are definitely more crazy than I am because usually I have somewhere I got to go and teach workshop or like in this situation this year, it was the Nightscaper conference where I needed to stand for six straight hours recording videos. And so I needed to get some sleep. And so I leave at 530 in the morning and go to bed. But Kirk and Mary Beth, for some reason, guys, you think the sunrise is coming up soon. Let's go ahead and just stay awake. Well, yeah, because yeah, sun- sunrises are beautiful. <laughs> well, that wasn't the argument. <laughs> let, let it be known, Aaron King hates sunrises. <laughs> you hate them. Just say it. You hate them. <laughs> I hate them. Well, they're great after a nice sleeping through the night night. But man, when I've been out since five or six in the morning, I I was driving back a group from our workshop on the Nightscaper conference and I was getting so tired that I'm like, you know what? I am going to kill everybody in this vehicle. I cannot drive any further. So I pulled off the side of the road. I asked Terry if he'd jump in and sub for me. He had no problem with it. And even though I was awake the rest of the drive back, I just, I got myself off of those controls. So I was so exhausted. There was no way in bleep that I was going to say, let's go three more hours and stay up for the sunrise. I give you credit because that's being responsible. So yeah. 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 (laughs) Yes. I no longer am the guy who hates sunrises, who doesn't get that sunrises are beautiful. I'm just responsible. Yeah. You're a responsible person and we appreciate that. When I first met Kirk, we were at Crater Lake, and on the second day of being at Crater Lake, I was sleeping in the morning, and Kirk was doing an all-night time lapse and coming into the sunrise. I completely missed an awesome sunrise. Well, it wasn't full of clouds or anything, but it was just cool to see sunrise there at Crater Lake because I wanted sleep. So it's not just when I'm being responsible. Sometimes when I'm just nothing else going on, I get too tired and I can't make it for sunrise too. It's just too much. Yeah, well, you guys had just driven all the way from Utah as well and uh, yeah. and we'd also been out at uh, Bandon for a night, so... It was a 16-hour uh, drive. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just have to, you know, get a couple uh, winks and uh, catch up a little <laughs> That's bit. That's right. But then sometimes you have to rally and that whole idea of you're out all night doing milky photography and then going again on the next night... During the Nightscaper conference, Mary Beth was counting her nights in a row, and you went all the way to, what, 10 or 11 straight nights? Mm, I think it was actually nine. 
but I because only officially yeah because there was I made it the whole way up until the one day the one night we got skunked at Dance Hall Rock. Hmm. Oh, okay. So you were up though. Oh yeah, we, just didn't we were get up. So I guess way. that does kind of count because we were still up. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Especially by if definition. there's no Milky Way, it doesn't. Yeah, count. yeah. If there's no Milky Way, it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> So she was all the way up to 10. We're going to say 10 just during the Nightscaper conference and keeping track of it. And who was the first person that said you're rallying? Was it you or Terry, Neil? Who was the first person who ever used the term, let's rally? Come on, guys, let's rally. I think it was Terry, I think. I think it was Terry? I think so. And then we just kind of rolled. Then we just kind of rolled with it. Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> it's time to rally. Every night yeah. of our Escalante workshop, Terry and Mary Beth were like, "Let's rally! Time to rally! Let's go rally!" <laughs> and we were rallying for another Milky Way. And on the way back from the Escalante workshop, still we rallied again with Jim and Mary Beth and went out into Salt yes. Flats that night that they were flying. And we rallied. <laughs> yes, we one did. More that was insane. <laughs> <laughs> and it was awesome because we ran into two awesome people. Right, yeah, Eric and um, Briny. Yeah, Briny, yes. Mm. We fell into the luck of having the person who showed up. We were already out there with our tripods, and someone else shows up with red headlamps, and we're like, hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, we're just doing milky photography. Hope we won't bother you. And he's like, Aaron? Yeah, I was like, who <laughs> I, rec- I recognize your voice. Like, hey, Benedetti. And we were so lucky that it turned out to be someone we knew, of course, in this area. Who's going to go and rally after the Nightscaper conference and have to be out because the Milky Way's out? It's going to be the same few people who just love yeah, to it, rally. Uh, it was great to run in. I, I'm idols of both of them because they're like tracking masters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they got a great image that night because what we didn't see was that there was some Aurora showing up on that northern side of the Yes, Salt there Flats. was. And I got in an argument with somebody from Iowa over that. <laughs> Really? Yeah. What was the he argument? He told me it wasn't possible because he couldn't see it that night. It wasn't possible. <laughs> I was like, okay. Man. <laughs> Whatever. Social media is great for debate. <laughs> yeah. I saw this and it was awesome. No, you yeah, didn't. Yeah, that's pretty much what he and said. here are the reasons why yeah, you it was, didn't. It was just like that too. He's like, no. And and then there was like some reasons that didn't make any sense. I'm like, okay. oh man so outside of people debating whether it's real or not when you're going out for milky way photography and you're rallying and you're going the next night just two nights in a row can start to be pretty tiring usually on my four night workshops by the third and fourth night people are falling asleep during the post-processing during the day as they're sitting there in their chair all comfortable on four in the afternoon they're sleeping in their chair then they wake up and they nod off wake up nod wake up nod and then we go out that night and their energy is back but it's just it is challenging just a few days in Last year, I made it 23 straight nights, and two nights I got nothing practically because I nearly died driving on the road, falling asleep at the wheel. Mary Beth, you just barely pulled off this last June 23 straight nights again, so I really want to go through the adventure of that. So let's get talking about Mary Beth's work out there for the 23 straight nights. What made you decide to do it? Is it purely... I'll just let you say. I won't even lead you to an answer. What made you want to do 23 straight well, nights? Well, I, as you all know, I adore the night sky. And it's really more, for me, the challenge of it. Um, <laughs> to, just to see if I could do it. Because I honestly, it's the, the great Milky Way chase. And honestly, me being Midwestern-based, my odds of making it or even getting any sort of Milky Way, like half of the nights, 
is slim to none because of all the cloud cover we have. Right. So um, I just do it just to see if I can do it. Um, it's almost guaranteed somebody else is going to mm. win it, which is fine. I'm not really in it to compete. But interestingly enough, this year, even though we had this incredibly wet spring where it rained for like almost three months straight, around when that challenge started, it was oh, I got skunked four days only four days only four days out of the whole 23 days i was like i was in shock Hmm. (laughs) no kidding i was proud that i only got skunked three days and one of them was mostly my fault because i didn't wake up in time to go and drive far (laughs) enough to get away from being skunked yeah if i had driven further i probably could have made it so four nights only, and where were the areas that you were hanging out in for all 23 For most nights? of the time, that I will say I did have to do a lot of like dodging based off of the satellite images, but um, I, I stayed in Wisconsin, Illinois, and Michigan. That was my range, and um, mostly Illinois because I had jobs here and there that I had to do, um, so I would go south of Chicago because that's where you got to go around here. And then um, on days where I had like more time off, I'd plan trips to the my favorite place east of the Mississippi, the Upper Peninsula. And then um, if I needed to stay a little bit closer, I'd go to uh, northern Wisconsin. So that was kind of my range. Um, and it was it, like you were saying, it's tough. Um, the first week you're like full of adrenaline, you're like, oh, this is the easy. But I will I will tell you by the end of it. Like day twenty ish, nineteen twenty, I was like, I'm like, I don't know yeah. if I can do this. But then I kept telling myself, it's only three more days. <laughs> like, yeah. like you, you cannot quit now, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so I ended up in Door County, Wisconsin, which is where I ended last year's adventure. And so is that the northern like, tip of Wisconsin, that county? Yeah, or? it's um, there's a little peninsula that juts off of Wisconsin. And it's on the northern tip of that peninsula. Oh, I it's like see. A, it's like a Bortle 2 in some spots, but mostly a Bortle 3. So it's actually decent. Um, I tend to go there quite often because it's like three and a half, four hours from where I'm at. So for those of us like me who have never been out in this area, and it's right on the Great Lakes. It's right on, is that Lake Michigan right there between Wisconsin and Michigan? Yes. It's, so it's, it's Green Bay on one side and then Lake Michigan on the other. Okay, so you got that area with the famous names but i still don't know what to picture the terrain like mountainous fields only grasses i mean what are you dealing with for driving and it's a lot of coastline uh rocky coastline to be specific rocky yeah um now when you go to the michigan side of lake michigan it's more sand dunes so it's that that's interesting to me because like the wisconsin side and the upper peninsula part i go to is all like real rocky it coastline's real pretty and then on the other side it's all sand <laughs> <laughs> that's that's interesting and you yeah. worked your foreground compositions off of the the rocks are they large enough to come into the frame higher or are they oh, yeah. only on the bottom third no they're um depending on where you're at this year it was interesting because the lake level's so high um so a lot oh. of the rocks that i got last year were covered in water now oh. so I kind of worked around, you know, just the rugged coastline type for compositions. Um, it worked okay. Knowing, I think my, 
I think my favorite spots were Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore because I've been there probably five times now. Oh, cool. I was going to ask you that eventually, <laughs> but let's go into it right now. Yeah. Your favorite spot for the 23 straight nights is Pictured Rocks? Yeah, Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. It's a somewhat not known national park. Like, they don't even charge to get in. Oh. <laughs> and uh, it's really pretty. There's there's um, And there's miles and miles and miles of hiking trails. Like, you could do the whole coastline. And it's like, I think... The one loop is like 12 miles. If you do the whole coastline, it's like 25. You can walk it all if you want wow. to. Hmm. <laughs> uh, in a single two days? Or are you talking this is a pretty crazy terrain? I'm picturing yeah. flat. I'm picturing so flat, but how flat is it? It's actually not as flat as you'd think for the Midwest. Uh, upper Michigan is pretty hilly. Um, it's nothing like out west. Like, not it's not even the close. Rocky Mountains, obviously, but it no. has... Uphill it has inclines for a yeah. mile at a time. Yeah, like um, the one hike I did into Chapel Rock, that actually was uphill quite a ways. And when you're carrying fifty pounds of gear on your back, that's a little <laughs> it's a, it's a little rough. So I can only imagine what it's like those those mountaineers that do the hikes out in Colorado. I I, I don't know how they do that. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. they probably don't bring a Star Tracker with them and a heavy tripod to handle the Star Tracker weight plus the probably camera. not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least not to the top of the peak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what about it made it, it your favorite? Why did it work so well? It's just, There's just so many different compositions. If you want evergreen trees, you got that. If you want lake front, you got that. You can have beaches with sand. You got beaches with rocks. And then um, Miner's Castle, which is like an overlook, and Hurricane River, which is another spot I like. Then you have like the the rocky coastline and like the um the the sand i think it's sandstone um there's layers of color that make up these coastlines it's just oh. really it's just really pretty like I, I never even realized that this was up there until i started doing landscape photography i feel really bad about that <laughs> no we all do the same thing <laughs> but i'm like it's almost like it doesn't feel like it's part of michigan and i don't want to say that either yeah. but it's a uh, it's it's easily my favorite spot in this area when you were going around trying to just hit 23 straight nights of milky way how much emphasis did you put on your location for the foreground um if i was somewhere like or somewhere in the up or wisconsin i actually tried to find decent foreground elements because i have been there before and i kind of knew what to look for if i was just you know in illinois somewhere i'm like eh. i have basically cornfields to work with so yeah. <laughs> That one was that. Those were a little yeah. more difficult trying to figure out. There was a couple little inland lakes that I found that provided some better foreground elements, uh, but it's nothing like you know the more scenic areas of the Midwest. Sorry, Illinois. <laughs> Sorry, Illinois. <laughs> Kurt Kies has a really cool light that he has multiple colors that he can play with, and it's nice low-level light. He's used it. Do you have any low-level lights that you use in your photography? I have, actually. I recently invested in some uh, loom cubes. Um, actually, I didn't get to use the loom cubes on the Milky Way chase because I got them after. And um, Oh, okay. But that's when I rented that underwater case to go do some split-level stuff up north. Mm. So the loom cubes are submersible, whereas my other LED light is not. So, right, mine isn't. Yeah, and yeah, we so. found out that my uh, Luxley Viola uh, is not waterproof when water oh, no. sprays out of it from Thor's well. 
<laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Discovered that it's not submersible. No. <laughs> and you got it working in Kirk? Oh, yeah, it works. I, as soon as we got to the hotel that night, I like ran it under the sink for about 15 minutes and then just kind of patted it all dry and put it away for like three weeks so that there wasn't any moisture in it when I turned it back on the next time. Oh, okay. And it's working great so far. So you ran the salt water off of it with the regular tap water and then let it dry. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then when you're working with that many straight nights, trying to find just a place with no light pollute. Well, let me say it this way. You're trying to find all the compositions and go to places you can see the Milky Way. How hard was it to find places without light pollution up there? You said as a Bortle too. That's a pretty fantastic clear sky. Yeah, up and up there it's fine. Uh, the days I stayed closer to Chicago is a little more difficult. There are some spots. Um, they're all Bortle four. I could not get out of anything dimmer than that. Um, but it, they're they're usable images. I mean, you won't get the detail, but a couple of them ended up being kind of neat because for some reason this year or this summer, the fireflies out here were unbelievable. Oh, cool. Like, um, yeah, they looked awesome in some of your pictures. They were just, there were so many. I don't, I, I don't remember being that many. Yeah, and I'm so <laughs> jealous that you have those. That's, that's the one thing that makes me want to go, you know, east of the Rockies or Mississippi yeah. or wherever it is to find them. It's like, we don't have anything like that out here in Oregon. Yeah. So even though yeah. I said, you know, like, I apologize for kind of knocking on Illinois a little bit, but the Firefly <laughs> shot, the Firefly shots were shot in Illinois. <laughs> oh, so. man. I used to live in Missouri in St. Louis and we had Fireflies. <laughs> and so I've not experienced them anywhere out here in the West. Obviously, they just don't have them. There's yeah. a few species that do exist, but they're rare. And so, man, just the idea of a Milky Way shot with Fireflies blasting through there. That'd be it was so pretty cool. cool. <laughs> I echo so the I echo Kirk being completely jealous of you. I mean, Kirk is definitely yeah. going to come with me when we go out with you, Mary Beth, and find a cool spot for fireflies next summer. Yes, yeah, yeah definitely do so because it was it was really cool to see. It, there had been thousands of them. I mean, because oh. every, every you just look, you just see the whole all the grass light up. Man, like it's just it's just neat. <laughs> Uh, so then when you're working with this kind of motivation, I'm going out every night. Did you spend pretty much every day the next day a little bit of sleeping and just driving to the next location? Or how much time throughout the day did you give yourself for getting to the next spot? Um, it, Once again, that depended on where I was at. Like uh, when I was in the UP, I spent four days up there. So I would spend the, after doing the sunrise stuff, I'd, Try to nap for like you three or still four hours. did the sunrise on the chase. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. How many well, you're hours? there. <laughs> you might have well. hours. You got your image in like the first two hours <laughs> yeah. of the Milky Way. There's still like six more hours of Milky Way before even the twilight periods begin, and you stayed yeah. up for sunrise. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, oh man! So, but but it was a little easier because once you're in a area like that, I like I don't have to drive a million hours at that point. Yeah. Um, Pictured rocks is kind of spread out, so from one end to the other, it does take a little over an hour. Um, so you just kind of plan accordingly. Okay. But uh, the the Illinois shots, though, I would go home and back out. So that was easily <sighs> yeah. 75 to 90 miles one way right. every day. Though That was actually harder. 
<laughs> completely agree. I did that yeah. many nights from my nights out, and it was the worst when I had to go two hours out and then two hours back before I was yes. done, and then go out again the next night. I was like, ah, oh, I'm going somewhere close. Um, yeah, that that was actually harder to deal with than like, like the doing the long drive to Wisconsin or the UP, but then staying for three or four days. Right. <laughs> Were you alone the entire time? Well, uh, I well, except for two days. I met up with a friend of mine that I befriended in the Great Lakes Aurora Hunters group. Um, she lives in Grand Rapids, and me and her have always wanted to do these night hikes and pictured rocks. But we're both, you know, I I, I have limits, and one of those is <laughs> is hiking three plus miles one way in the dark in an area I don't know. <laughs> That's a good limit yeah. to have. <laughs> so I met up with her. For the two, we were up there for two of the four nights I was there, and we did the Chapel Beach hike, which was this 3.7 miles one way. Yikes. And, um, it, yeah, I'm glad, you know, I found somebody to do it because it was great. It, it, if you're not familiar, it was the picture that I posted with the waterfall. It was the late season panorama with the waterfall on the bottom. I'll have to pull that, that up. Yeah, that one was from Chapel Beach, and that's that long hike. <laughs> um, so, other than that, I was by myself the whole 23 days. That was the one you lost your car keys on, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, the hike, the 3.7-mile hike was? I, that, that one, I, so I did the hike, <laughs> but the, next, the following day when I was in Manistique, I, uh, and the Aurora came out, <laughs> and I got all excited, right? And uh, I somehow managed <laughs> to, like, to get the key stuck in a grating that's on uh, this dock I was sitting on and broke it off, <laughs> broke it off. And I didn't realize oh. it till I, till I, till I went back to the car and I went to grab my key and I was like, Oh no. Oh, <laughs> and, and then, and then what? I went to get my phone out of my pocket and my phone was dead. Oh, <laughs> so you're saying the key itself has been snapped in two. The yes. part that inserts into the vehicle was just gone back at was the gone. grate. Yeah. Uh, what did you do? I had a minor, minor panic attack because <laughs> I'm sure because I, I I had a vague idea how to get back to town, but I wasn't 100 percent sure because I use maps on phones like everybody else does now, and I don't have a paper map in my car. I do right. now. Um, <laughs> it's a lesson we all learn for sure. So after I had the little panic attack, I gathered myself and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go try to find it till the sun rises. And I managed to find it. I don't know how. I think I used up all my luck that night. Finding what? Your key? Yes, that little piece of key. I found it. No way. (laughs) It snapped off with the grate, but it actually stayed findable? It's yes, it was stuck in between like the grating, and you know, oh. I had a lot of time to burn at this point, right? So I had the little flashlight and I'm on hands and knees, like looking at this grating and wow. trying to find it. And I somehow did, and then I duct taped the thing back together. And oh, tell um, me you use gaffer's I, tape, I, I, use gaffer's tape, right? I used Milky Way <laughs> printed, <laughs> okay, duct that's tape. still pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm gonna, I, I hate to admit this right now because after having this horrible experience, but. I haven't replaced it. It's still <laughs> taped up. It, it's still taped together. Oh, wow. Well, it worked that well. Why mess with something that works? <laughs> okay, you got to have a picture of that. Do you have a picture of that anywhere? I'm not seeing it on your Instagram with a picture of that key. With I don't think way. I put it on Instagram. I think I've posted on Facebook? it. I posted it somewhere. It might be in 
either in the Facebook. I'll send it to <laughs> you. Please do. It's either in Facebook or I put it in the Ventures listener group, maybe. I don't remember. I, th- I know it's somewhere. I think there's a shot on uh, MilkyWayPhotographers.com. We did a... Yes, uh, that's, that's on there, too. We did a uh, Amazon uh, Black uh, Friday or Monday or whatever day uh, oh. post with uh, things to buy, and uh, Milky Way duct tape was Mary Beth's uh, one of her <laughs> items she recommended. Yes, the picture's on that. <laughs> <laughs> so go to MilkyWayPhotographers.com, guys, and then navigate back to the post where we did the Amazon Prime Day recommendations. And you'll find it. <laughs> I'll also link to it in the show notes down below. You'll be able to find the show notes at photogadventures.com forward slash EP136, episode 136. So uh, that is a stressful situation to be alone with. You had a mini panic attack, yeah. but you felt like you were saying it with shame, but you have no shame in being panicked in that situation. We'd all be there with you. Yikes. Yeah, it's it was definitely the scariest moment I've ever experienced doing this nighttime oh. stuff. But but um at the same time I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm in the UP and I don't have any signal, but it's not I wasn't in a, a super remote area of the UP. I was in Manistique. So I'm like, if worst comes to worst, I like I, I could find somebody. So that I calmed down when I, you know, rationalized this in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I was literally going to ask you, what was your favorite picture and what was the like scariest moment through the 23 days? And you've already covered those. So why don't I just ask the other yeah. question of what went the worst? What was the worst night that didn't go well, not just because you missed the Milky Way, but for other reasons? Is there any night that stands out? Um, you know, other than that story, that was, that was yeah. obviously the most painful. But... Um, a lot of the Illinois shots were kind of frustrating because I, I dealt with a lot of cloud cover and just general like locations that didn't really excite me too much. Hmm. Um, so like trying to, you know, p- trying to find places that kind of bring in like, like, what can I do here? And I, I like I kept going back to one specific area because that was the one area that didn't have clouds at night. So I was like, well, I've been here five times. I'm like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> right. Um, so that, that, that's always kind of frustrating because you want to like always find something different or new, but sometimes you just can't, you like, you just got to deal with what you're given and, um, you know, not, not to knock that area cause it's pretty ish. Illinois sucks guys. Get it in your head. <laughs> Illinois is the worst. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Uh, just, you know, being after seeing real true dark skies, it's just, it's, you know, you're like. This is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Utah is a spoiler for everything else, I tell you. And I just came back from Oregon coast, and we had some great Milky Ways right there on the Oregon coast. It's so hard to think of doing Milky Way on the east or in the central areas of the United States. I feel for yeah, you guys. It's, yeah, once you've seen it in its true glory, it's just it's hard to, you know, get excited about it if you're in a portal four. <laughs> <laughs> So then if anyone's thinking about doing a 23-day straight Milky Way shots, like go out 23 straight nights and capture a Milky Way, what piece of advice was, what, what does Mary Beth now tell Mary Beth from day one that you wish you would have known? That I wish I would have known. Anything um, you're thinking, oh, man, if I would have started off this way, this would have been better. Um, I think if I planned better, I, I, I do a lot of things basically uh, not with no plan whatsoever. <laughs> Winging it. Off the cuff? I wing it. I, I wing it all the time. And, and sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, 
So I think if I would have planned out better, like a, a plan of attack, I would have liked it more. I think someday but, um, in the future, Photog Adventures needs to actually promote and, um, not promote, but actually host and sponsor a 23 straight nights Milky Way where we all get on the same bus. We have a driver that's been hired to drive us, and we <laughs> yes. go from like national park to national park all around Utah, California, Oregon, and we just do like this big old planned route that's going to take us to 23 straight different locations of Milky Way where we could sleep on the bus and capture the Milky Way. It'll be like a very expensive workshop for everyone to come be a part of, but it would be a blast. Mm, that'd be awesome. That would be amazing. <laughs> Especially having the driver it's, that drives for us. Yeah, because it's, it's the whole drive part that makes it really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so speaking... Uh, oh, what were you going to say? Then I'll segue. I was like, I was like speaking of driving, I, I did get pulled over once uh, <laughs> during my... For, Luckily, he was for speeding. You weren't um, holding your camera out, <laughs> taking pictures out the window while you drove? It was speeding. No. <laughs> I was speeding, and I got caught, and this was 4th of July, and I was headed back to the hotel because I had to work oh, the next day. I bet it looks yeah. suspicious, and, like a late-night driver speeding. Yes. Like, what Like what do you <laughs> – but then he, he saw, like, all the camera equipment and things, and he was like – She's not a drunk driver. Was, She's just a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. He was really nice about it, and he's like – just slow down. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> awesome. Way to get away with it. Did you pull out a fake tear or two to get out of it? Uh, no, I was just, I was too tired to really <laughs> to put on an act. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you caught me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you mentioned driving is the hardest part. You meant before we started this podcast, you relayed to me that the 23 straight nights was crazy hard rally. It was a mega rally, but you actually feel that the driving you did for two nights for Aurora chasing was harder than the Milky Way chase? Yeah, because I put in a lot more miles than I normally did with not like a whole lot of downtime. All right, so tell us everything from it. You're chasing what, for what, where, hit a. Okay, so. I don't know what that means, hit a. <laughs> um, so about three or four weeks ago, the um, they always put out an aurora forecast. And lately there's been a decently sized coronal hole that's on the sun right now. You're um, going to use terms gonna... like that? You're going to have to define them for the listeners okay. as you go. Okay. A decently so... <laughs> sized coronal hole. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, basically, it's a it's a area on the sun that spews a lot of high energy particles at us. Okay. Um, it, it'll, it'll create some auroras. And uh, so last month, there was a pretty spectacular show, and I missed it by 24 hours. I was really, 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 really angry about this. <laughs> and, um, and I missed the last really good shows for the, I don't know, last couple of years. So when I saw the forecast put out for the end of September, I was like, I will not miss this one. It is not going to happen. End of September and, um, or the end of August? Oh, sorry. End of August. Oh, okay. August. We're in September, right? right. <laughs> She's still recovering from that rally. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still recovering. So end of August into September. <laughs> and um, I had to work prior. I was in down in Decatur. And the whole time, I, mean, I feel sorry for my coworkers because I, all, that's all I talked about the whole time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going up north as soon as this trip is over. And um, I get back from Decatur around midnight Thursday. And I wake up the next day. It's Friday. And I'm looking at they they the forecast for Aurora, which is it's decent compared to what it used to be, which was nothing. And um but it can be off by like 24 to 48 hours. Oh. So so it helps to 
keep track of the data because there's a lot of apps you can follow and you follow data. I, what's I your favorite explain. one to follow? If it's just quick tip, what's your favorite app? Space Weather. Space Weather. Yeah, it's an app that you can download and it gives you like certain parameters to watch. I couldn't really explain to you exactly what they all are, but I could tell you that like when certain things go higher, that's when you got to watch. So that Friday I was looking at one of them is hemispheric power and it was like climbing up around like hemispheric power. Yeah. It's basically like a, um, a, a measurement of the energy being, um, held up in the magnetosphere. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so obviously the bigger that number, the, the more you want to watch the sky, more brighter Um, and possibly powerful. The Aurora. Gotcha. Correct. So that number started to climb around like 1230 in the afternoon on Friday. I was in the middle of packing up some prints to send out for this shootout event that I shot. And I'm like, I got to go. I have to go now. So I went to the post office and dropped all that stuff off. And then I threw a bunch of my car and I left. And I, I picked Sleeping Bear National Lakeshore, which is on the western side of Michigan. It's kind of out of the way. But looking at the weather forecast the best spot was that particular spot at the time. Um, so th- that's a good six hour drive from here. Yikes. Like I could go all the way to the UP for six hours, but I chose there because of the weather forecast. Um, and unlike the Aurora forecast originally said they were out pretty nicely on that night. So I was like, Oh, the storm is hitting a little early. So I was glad that I left, but then the forecast changed for that area the next day. So I was like, well, do I stay or do, do I go? And I still had time to make it all the way to the UP, which at that point was another six and a half hours north. <laughs> wow. You had already driven six hours to where you were, saw a new yes. day come in, a new prediction, and you had to go another six and a half? Yeah, I did do another six and a half oh, hours yeah, at that yoy. point to get to Pictured Rocks, the National Lakeshore. So you were heading and, back to um, Pictured Rocks. Yeah, I could have just went the other way but i was chasing the cloud cover or like trying to not be in clouds you were looking for that window <laughs> and that hole that was going to happen in the sky correct oh. so so then i made it to pictured rocks that night and that was the hands down the most memorable and emotional experience i've ever had you're gonna have to describe <laughs> how why what triggered that um, much of a rea- reaction from you uh, until you've never until you've seen like something like this, it, it's it's hard to describe. But like um, like I've seen some auroras here and there, but none of them were like big ones. They were just like on the horizon, glowing. Like you could barely see them with distant the naked eye. Green or distant pink yeah, horizon colors. It's like a, like a whitish grayish uh, tone on the horizon, and the only clue that you know it's aurora is that it moves a little bit. So with from you, like looking like light pollution. Let me emphasize that guys, for you with the camera, you see the colors of the aurora and it looks awesome, but for us, their naked eye, we're almost seeing it in black and white really and you can just tell yes. that there's some thing there. It's kind of brighter and you think it's just normal light pollution honestly, but you're saying yep. the only cue, the only cue that gives it away that it's aurora is there's movement. You see it move. Yeah, it it moves a little bit. Wow. Light pollution doesn't really move. Um so that's the the most I've ever seen up until that night. And then, so as soon as the sun went down, you could start to see it. You could see the pillars and you can see the pillars with the naked eye. You don't see the bright pinks and purples like I posted, right? but you could see them and they were extending up pretty far high, like up. Wow. And I was so like, this was pretty exciting. I'm like, Ooh, this is cool. <laughs> and, um, 
So I sat there, shot that for a little bit, and it kind of like came in waves all night. And then around like 2.30-ish a.m., 1.32, a Steve up appeared, which is a different, it's an Aurora-like phenomenon, but it's not. There was a recent article just posted about it. A and Steve, there, can you give us the acronym? Yeah, what does it stand for? Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement. Enhancement? That's a weird <laughs> ending of the sentence. Strong Thermal... Yeah. Strong Thermal... Emission, emission velocity, velocity enhancement. Enhancement, yes. <laughs> and in in the recent research that's been done on it, kind of actually um, justifies that acronym because it is thermal, and it and, you know so it kind of backs it up. Yeah, it's, but it's definitely not an auroral uh, um, phenomena. So correct. Yeah, it's it it makes a lot of sense, even if it is a, a backronym, you know, a backwards derived acronym. It, it, it shouldn't really matter to anyone as to how the name was derived, as long as the name represents the phenomenon that it's describing. Is that the argument yeah. that you had with Alan? Was that that's he th that's pretty much my argument? Yeah. <laughs> and that is really cool to see too, because it it moves fast. Like um, I, the the first notion that I knew it was out there was it, it looked like you know those stupid Halloween things, those the, like how what? like people put on their houses and it like the lights. Like sometimes they're, I don't know what I can't. I can't, think what I can't figure what you're saying either. So it's yeah. just sort of a. Because I'm looking at your picture. Of it's the, like a. It's like a hologram, you know, like a shove, like up in the sky. So it like it, oh. it flew across the sky, the picket fencing looking thing, mm. and um, and it went really fast. And I was like, oh, that's a Steve. And I the, like I like set up the camera really quick to you know capture what I could get left of it. Oh, and, um, well, it looks like a giant streamer in your photographs, yes. right? It's just so this I, big I, band. Correct. And I kind of missed some of the picket fencing that oh, happened. Oh, gotcha. But, um, and you know and recognize it separate from Aurora by looking at your picture, how? It looks like the big, um, there's a stream that's kind of off to the side, like where the main Aurora is happening. And then there's like a, another like pillar. Okay. And it, it extends far enough that like there's a picture I posted with it in the Milky Way. So that's a that's pretty much southern facing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, so it, I see that. Yeah, so it extends out really far. And um actually it's funny because they say a lot of people in the lower latitudes see it more than in the no the north because of how far south it extends. Is it just coincidence that this Steve occurred during your Aurora night or is it necessarily related to the conditions that cause auroras even though it's not an aurora? I don't think they're 100% clear on that yet. So we really don't know. Well, I think they've I think they've found that the Steve always appears with an aurora. Mm -hmm. But but it's not the same mechanism that causes the aurora. Yeah, and it's not and it's not all the time either. So like right. yeah. So it's it's interesting. It's a it's kind of cool because it's newer, yeah, like newer research into things. Um, but that happened, and then about an hour later, um, is where it started to pulse in the sky. Like you look up and see like these pulsings of light. Whoa! And I was that at that moment. That's where I said it was the emotional part of it. I totally forgot I had a camera at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I just like stood up and looked at this, and I was like, "This is." incredible <laughs> like and it was like almost overhead and for being this far south it was i've never seen anything like that i could only imagine what it's like up in canada 
<laughs> right. Oh my. That. <laughs> There's a few moments in life that I have my camera that I felt that way, but your experience here is one in, in a lifetime that I I can't wait to have someday. And it sounds like I'm going to have to start watching those weather reports and go nutso and following and tracking. I'm too far south for me to really get there on a moment's notice. But yeah. uh, you said that you missed the big one this last year and the year before. Do they typically happen around that August period? There's there's an interesting um, couple things I've read that they claim that there were a stronger around the equinoxes. Okay. But, Kirk, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's actually any proof of this. Just theoretical right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. It's like, um, I've read some things about it, but then there's people like, well, there's no real actual proof. I think a lot of it is people assume it's stronger because there's more nighttime hours. Gotcha. I find a lot of people are confused because they always say there's an aurora season. Right. But I'm like, there's not. It happens all year round. No, it happens all the time. But the what they're confused with is the daylight hours. So like your window of opportunity of seeing them in the summer. Exactly. Especially if you're way far north where it doesn't get dark at all, you won't see mm-hmm. them. <laughs> exactly. And the the band kind of rotates around with the tilt of the Earth, right? Yeah. So in the summer hours, it's it's too too bright to see it in the northern hemisphere. Yeah. And in the fall and spring, it's kind of equally spaced. You know. In uh, what uh, mid northern latitudes, right. I guess. Yeah. But when you get to the winter, that band is going to dip way further south on the night side, nighttime side of the Earth, yep. to where maybe it just moves away from where people normally see it in, like, say, Canada, to where it could be further south. I would guess. Yeah. So I can kind of see where people make this assumption, but um, based on. Hey, you just got more nighttime hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. And I'm sure that every one of us listening are thinking, okay, how can I plan to see one myself? You've really got us hooked on the idea, Mary Beth. I mean, we're freaking stoked now. I, I, we don't normally want to get emotional as sometimes hard, hardened dudes like myself and Kirk. But the idea of uh, getting emotional and seeing a Steve sounds like a bucket list item for me. I can't wait. Yeah, I'll, it's, I'll drop a tear with pride. I, I might. I might yeah. have. <laughs> It'd be like the eclipse. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, exactly. It's similar to that because it's just such a. It's it's indescribable, really, because it's just it, it's a <laughs> it's a really cool reminder of the forces at work that keep us safe, and at the same time presented with something that's like jaw-droppingly gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's an amazing story and that's a great spot to end. We've had motivation guys to get out there and go and rally or you can mega rally like freaking crazy nutso Mary Beth Kaczynski <laughs> who is going to do 23 straight nights, 10 straight nights in May, 23 straight nights in June and then two straight nights of you said it was the toughest one because you drove so much. How many miles did you drive in two it days? Was- it was a little over 1,300 miles. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Wow. That's a lot of time alone driving. Get a buddy. Get out there and have someone to switch off with a drive because that's <laughs> yeah. dangerous and awesome at the same time. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Kirk, before we yeah. let her go, is there anything? I haven't had a chance to give you much time to talk. Is there anything else you want to ask her or say? Oh, well, I'm just impressed with the 23 days of uh, getting out and taking pictures. I've I've never had the determination to do that. And when I went to the Nightscaper conference with you guys, 
It's like I think I got eight days out where yeah. I had three hours of sleep each day, <laughs> and and shooting the Milky Way was, you know, you had to stay up for that so that you would get back to the hotel late enough that the breakfast would be served and then you could have like second dinner before you went to sleep so but you know it was it was definitely uh very tiring and uh it it was an awesome experience but also kind of a difficult experience all at the same time i agree and you know what i'm I'm surprised we're all still friends after all that too and and i'm looking forward to next year Yeah, I know. It's time to rally again. It's going to be awesome. And next year, yeah, I won't be recording rally. videos, and I only have two workshops out of the three nights, and so I'll be able to go out with you guys and do Sunrise. Yes! Woo! Be, yay. Time to rally like a man, like Kirk. Get yeah. an all-night all night time like lapse. Like Mary Beth. <laughs> like Mary Beth. Speaking of Mary Beth, guys, yeah. follow her. Go over to Instagram right now. If you want to follow someone that's going to inspire you to get out there with your camera, it's Mary Beth. Her Instagram handle is Shelby Diamond Star because Correct. she really likes something that's a car. What is yeah. it? So my name is derived from Carol Shelby of Shelby Dodges Ford. And then Diamond Star is Diamond Star Motors, which was a joint venture between Chrysler and Mitsubishi in the late 80s and early 90s. That created the Mitsubishi Eclipse and Eagle Talon, which is my race car. So that's where the name comes from. (laughs) Shelby Diamond Star. Mary Beth is awesome. It's been fun being friends with her for the last year. And I know that for the rest of our lives, until one of us, you know, succumbs to an all-nighter drive and crash, we will all be doing Milky Way (laughs) photography for a long time. (laughs) I mean, seriously, we're playing too many odds here. You and I have both done some crazy, stupid things when it comes to, like, driving and going nonstop. So, yes. Luckily, I've had Kirk to drive with me, and I'd be safe. You just got to get yourself a buddy, Mary. Yeah, I got to get myself a buddy. Yeah, (laughs) it helps a lot. So everybody, go to ShelbyDiamondStar.com to see her work or follow her on Instagram at ShelbyDiamondStar. Thank you, Kirk, for being the buddy hangout for me on this podcast. And Mary Beth. It's been great. Thank you. You guys, both of you, are part of Photog Adventures. Kirk does MilkyWayPhotographers.com, and Mary Beth handles our Instagram and all other sorts of stuff. And so you guys are going to hear a lot more from both of them here on the podcast, and they'll be my buddy companions hosting episodes in the future when you're listening to this right now i'm out in the faroe islands and if you're thinking i want to do milky way photography with Aaron, i want to mega rally or rally or i want to go and do faroe islands landscape photography check out my workshops at workshops.photogadventures.com and you can come out on an adventure with me so hey thanks guys have a good one talk to you guys soon yep talk to you later yeah thank you <laughs> see ya yeah <laughs>